Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time 10-year survivor of breast cancer. Uh, In addition to hosting this podcast, I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon. And when I have time, which isn't very often, you can find me on social media or my blog, I Never Liked Pink. So today I'm super excited to welcome my guest. We've been trying to get together for over a year, which is crazy. And that's just kind of how life goes in in not just the breast cancer community, but life. Um, And today... I'm also going to say mention this morning, we found out that um, cancer knows no bounds in terms of people. So this morning is the day that Katie Couric announced that she was diagnosed with breast cancer. So just want to send out some good energy to her. She's obviously gone through treatment already, but any awareness that her journey can give us for more people, for more money, for research and compassion and all of the things it's always good. So this is the time where no press is bad press. So I want to thank her for sharing that. But my guest today is someone who can really help, has really helped myself in the past time that I've read her book, because it's about mindfulness and really taking the time to appreciate the skills that you have, or that her method, the lovey method can help us build to really get through trauma in a different way and it allows you to just reconnect with yourself and find the tools that you have internally. So my guest is Sharon Brock. She is a mindfulness practitioner, health journalist. She was very into mindfulness and teacher before obviously her cancer. And then it literally helped her get through this. And her book that she has written, The Lovey Method, which the second edition came out today on Kindle, and you can get that for a dollar. So she'll talk about all that. I just finished it. So I highly recommend it. But what she went through, she shares her memoir story and also the methods of what she's going through. And she has a beautiful little dog that's saying hello to us. And Sharon, no worries. That's how life happens. But so she is going to be here and we're going to talk all about the book today. And I'm just so excited to have her here because her energy and her light are just, they're radiant and she can help all of us. So Sharon, welcome today. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes. And tell us a little bit about yourself, the non-cancer side, because we'll get to that. Oh, well, gosh, I am a health and wellness journalist and uh, mental health writers is my focus. And so that's why when I was diagnosed with cancer, it was it was very jarring to my identity because, you know, I, I had written countless articles on how to prevent cancer. Um. And you were doing all the right things. You were healthy. You were fit. You ate right. You you had a a good mindfulness and meditation practice. But cancer still said, "Hey, yeah." And and that's that's really the 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 tragic part of cancer is that it, it it can strike anyone at any time. And so, I really believe that by cultivating a mindset that can manage it, that can handle it, is is really probably the most important element of, of illness. And just knowing that 
knowing that um, illness happens. It just happens sometimes. And however, if we have the tools, then we, we know we can manage it. Um, so other, other things about me is that, um, yeah, I live in California. I'm currently in San Francisco. I um, previously lived on Maui, which was really amazing. And then, um, but grew up in Los Angeles. Well, it's funny, Sharon and I realize we also have this connection. I grew up in the Southern California area. And as soon as I started reading her book, she was talking about this location where <laughs> she's like, I, I went to the beach and I went to my favorite Italian restaurant. And, and I was like, okay, I, I know this is one of two places. It has to be either CNOs in Marina <laughs> del Rey or Bonavita in Hermosa Beach. And we chatted and it was CNOs. And I literally lived down the street from there. So, <laughs> It's uh, it's funny how how small of a world it is. I mean, now we live, you know, sixteen hundred miles, actually only eight hundred miles away from each other ish. Okay, I can't do math, but it's <laughs> cancer has brought us together along with technology. So I appreciate yeah, that. That's right. Um, that's so right. I, and I interrupted. also have a dog, so that's who um, yes. barked, and I had to put her outside. Oh, my two big dogs. Me. My two big dogs sit outside the door waiting for me until I come out. Um, now, Sharon, I interrupted you, which unfortunately I'm known to do. You were diagnosed in your early 40s, correct? Yeah, I was only 44. Okay. And um, as I said, I was a yoga teacher and a health and wellness journalist, and it came out of nowhere. Um, and it was, it, it was just when I received that phone call with the positive diagnosis I'll never forget it. I was sitting in my kitchen um, because I was about to move. I literally was surrounded by moving boxes. I was going to move and put my stuff in storage and go travel, travel the world. And I got this phone call. I thought, what? This, like, this, this does not, not fit in my life plan. No, this is not in alignment with, with what, what's happening. Like, literally, the movers were coming the next day. <sighs> and... Uh, it was, it was so jarring. It's hard. To, well, I was going to say it's hard to put it into words, but I actually did. That's chapter one. <laughs> you, you wrote a book about it. Come on. <laughs> but just, I guess, shock, really. It's, it's shock and disbelief for, mm -hmm. for a while. And then it finally sets in. And then that's when the anxiety kicks in. I, I've had anxiety and it's definitely gotten worse as I've aged after I had a child and then had cancer. It's like, oh, it just goes up and up and up yeah. and listening or reading through your, the book, the lovey method. I, I sat there and I did some of the practices as going through it. And yeah. I was explaining it to my husband. I'm like, okay, it's talking about how, and we'll get into all of this and you'll say it in better words than I do, but Instead of saying, I'm anxious, like, okay, the anxiety is rising. Let's, let's put it over here. And as you say, there's the mind gap where you're, let's, let's have the feeling over here and how we're going to process it and label it over here. And I literally was just able to work on my breathing, work on how I was identifying it. And we talk about all these things. And I was like, huh, that really works. So, yes. Yes, I was super happy about that. And so you went, you went through chemo, you had surgery, you, you, had, you had all the things. Oh, yeah. So it was, uh, uh, I received chemo every three weeks for a year. Um, and essentially, the book chronicles that year of my life. Sure. From, from the diagnosis to my final chemo. And um, obviously, you know, victorious, overcoming it. And, um, and then what I, what I 
learn, you know, the lessons learned from the year-long experience, the reflection piece. Um, and then something really exciting in the end, but we won't give that away. I know. I was like, oh my gosh, I, the fact <laughs> that you, you did that and we'll talk about it at, at literally in within a year of, you know, or essentially mm. almost a, about a year to the date of your diagnosis was mind blowing to me and just <laughs> shows the power of what yeah. the tools that you use to get through this. So let's get into, let's dig into the book and mindfulness. Now, for those not in the know, I know mindfulness is now thrown around a lot in the, the holistic community, but what does it really mean to you? Yeah. So mindfulness is essentially a quality of mind where you're fully in the present moment. So there was a study done at UCLA that showed that nearly 50% of the time, our minds are either in the past or in the future. And quite often when they're in the past, it's, it's called rumination. Like you're ruminating over, let's say, an argument you had with your partner or a conversation with your boss, something that was heated. Quite often there's anger involved when you're ruminating on the past. And then... On the flip side, if your mind is in the future, most of the time it's anxiety. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if, what if, what if? I call it the what if software of the mind. What if? It's a software. Because if you think about it, it's what kept us alive, right? There's, there's an evolutionary reason for this what if software to be installed. <laughs> and, um, but quite often we're, in this state of worry and anxiety and you know, 90% of those things don't actually happen. Right. And so we're suffering for no reason. And so what mindfulness does, it brings just focusing on the breath, right? Cause your breath is part of your body and your body is always present. And so therefore, you're, when you focus on the breath, you bring the mind from the past and the future into this present moment with your senses, right? So it could be like um, fully experiencing the sense of like a sweater or a blanket or let's say a smell or with food that you're eating or just focusing on the breath. You're just thinking about that one sense or I like to do it with roses too. Take a deep breath in, smelling a rose and fully experiencing that sensation of that scent. Um, so you're just honing the quality of your attention into that present moment. And then what happens is the past and the future, you just kind of fall away. It's incredible. And then you're kind of in that pocket, that mindful gap I talk about. I love that description. And when you were talking about taking the time to like, just not taking the time, but just really like smelling the rose, I actually keep a couple essential oils in my car. And there are certain times that I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stop and I'm going to open this up and I'm going to smell it because it just, it takes me back to some other things or just it, it, it forces me to take the time. And so much of the time we are rushing from place to place and doing, doing things without stopping and thinking and appreciating and really giving our body and our mind a break because 
so much of the time we just don't do that. Now, a lot of the time I know that mindfulness is part of meditation. Can you do them? Can you be mindful without a good meditative practice? Absolutely. So all of these things, I call them informal mindfulness practices, like mindful eating, you know, having smelling, taking a time to smell a rose when you're on a walk or with your essential oils, right? Taking the time to drop into that present moment and fully be with that sense. So that's an informal practice. I also do mindful showering. So just, it's my cue whenever I go in the shower, like, okay, mindfulness. And I feel the temperature and the, you know, the temperature of the water. And I really feel it on my muscles, brings me in my body. And, and again, with every meal that I eat as well, I say, okay, mindfulness practice, here we go. Not um, just shoving the food in our mouth, but actually taking the time to appreciate it and enjoy it. And chew. well, they say, obviously, too, our digestion is much better. If we yeah. chew everything for 20 times, take your fork down, put, set it down, actually yeah. take the time to appreciate and be thankful for the food that we're eating and the, hopefully the healthiness that we're putting into our bodies. And I think, I think what's important there is that all of these informal practices it's actually good for our health. It's not just something we should do, right? Because the moment we make it into a morality thing, like I'm a good mindful eater, I'm a, you know, then you've come up with an excuse. I don't have time. But versus if you understand the neuroscience behind it, and I go a lot into the neuroscience in the book, mm-hmm. that when we have these little snippets of mindfulness throughout the day, such as mindful eating, we can do that three times a day right? Mindful Mm -hmm. showering one time a day. Um, You know, I, I, you know, I have a morning practice. So that's 20 minutes every morning of focusing completely on the present moment. At some point during the day, something will happen that will knock me out of that, right? I will go into worry. I will go into the past. I will go into anger. I will go into anxiety, right? Um, But since I had just practiced it that morning, my mind will say, oh, I know what to do to bring me back into balance. So it's a, now, it's a daily practice. How did you get into becoming a mindfulness practitioner and teacher? Well, so this is interesting. So I was a yoga teacher for 10 years, basically all through my 30s. And where did, where did you teach? Were you in LA? I was. I was at Yoga Works. Oh, my God. Yeah, I probably took a class from you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And um, I actually studied in India at an ashram in India. And, you know, the, the belief from, from the original, um, you know, from India, the original yogic philosophy is that you do the postures in order to meditate. Okay. So the meditation is actually the, you know, to still the body so that you can still the mind. And so I feel incredibly grateful that I had that experience because that was always the lens through which I saw yoga was I'm moving my body in order to still my mind. And then from there, I got more into Buddhism and mindfulness is essentially the secular version of Buddhism. Okay. That's one way to think of it. Um, Because Buddhism is less of a religion and more of a philosophy. Mm -hmm. And um, so I got more into Buddhism and different Buddhist practices and um, and I have a mindfulness teacher and I just thought, gosh, this really makes sense. It's so simple. Um, 
I mean, I love Sanskrit, but I also love that mindfulness is just, it's just simple language. It's just English. I mean, any Thich Nhat Hanh book is just so simple and so sacred. Like it just, the fact that it's so simple, it just lands for me. I thought, okay, this is what I'm teaching from now on. And then right after I got my mindfulness certification is when I was diagnosed. So essentially you, you go through the book and you've created these, these practices, which what the lovey stands for, but how in, in, in very, you know, two minutes, how did that really help you get through your journey? Gosh, well, I mean, as they say, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, you know, I had just finished my meditation training to be, become a meditation teacher so I had like accrued this toolbox and then I get this diagnosis. Okay, I guess I got to pull those tools out and, and try which ones work the best. And I tried so many different types and then I recognized, oh, the label practice really helps me. You know, that was the one anxiety is rising rather than I am anxious. It creates that space. You label it. Then you don't identify with it anymore, right? And then the observe practice really helped me. The self-compassion practices really helped me. Equanimity, oh, that's what really helps me. And then it was, I, I kid you not, I was in the middle of the night and I sat up in my bed and I said, it spells love. <laughs> it the spells love, but, but I have an extra E on the end, so it's going to be lovey. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get equanimity in there. That's the whole point of lovey. So. Well, it really, it's, it's how you wrap everything up. And I was not yeah. super familiar. Yeah. With, I mean, I've heard the word equanimity, but I'm like, huh. Let, let's go do a little bit of research on that. And you obviously go into detail about, about all of the words and a chapter on each. And it's great how you do it. You do chapters on each of the, the, the five different practices, but also you, you throw, you wind your story through that. And we're going to get into that after we take a break. So listeners, please stay with us. If you need our programs, please go to breastfriends.org and check out patient programs to see what we can do for you. If you'd like to help Breast Friends continue on its mission to ensure that no one goes through cancer alone, you can donate on our website or by texting BF radio to 41444. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444. Or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is Sharon Brock, best-selling author, so many, I, I literally like it just all went out of my head. Um, so many things. And she's here today and she forgives me because she understands cancer brain. So we are going to dig into her book, which is the lovey method. And I read it on my iPad, so I don't have the, the actual one in my hands, but so the full title, oh, I'll let Sharon show the title here in a second. When I stop talking is the lovey method, mindfulness meditation for breast cancer. So Sharon, List off, please, and then we can dig into each of them a little bit. What do the five letters of lovey stand for? Sure. So L stands for label, labeling the emotion. O is observe, observe the emotion. V is value the emotion. E is embrace the emotion. And the second E is equanimity. So, and I briefly mentioned this before, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about them, but how do you define equanimity? <laughs> Oh, so, um, gosh, equanimity, the short answer is non-reactivity. So it's the ability to be even keeled, having a balanced mind, you know, handle hardships with grace. That's what, if someone is equanimous and there's a crisis, they're the ones that are taking care of business. They're helpful. They're in action. They're making wise choices. That's being equanimous. Perfect. I know I started at the end because it's not a word that's used often in our day-to-day language. So okay. let's let's go back to the beginning. How are you let love? Tell us about how you love the different things that are going on in your body, especially if they're not good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So essentially, the lovey method is about soothing your emotions and processing them in a, in a healthy way. And when you are diagnosed with a cancer diagnosis, these emotions run really high and they're very strong and they're hard to deal with. At least that was my experience. I felt very overwhelmed and very alone. And um, I will say that that's another reason why I wrote this as partly memoir, because I wanted the reader to feel like you're not alone. We're we're in this together. Right. Um, So L O V E, the first four letters are essentially how to process the emotion in a healthy way. Because quite often, you know, when we feel, let's say anxiety, we'll either push it down and say like, go away anxiety or judge ourselves for it. Um, Or it'll come out. We'll, you know, we'll behave in such a way. We'll say something that is our anxiety talking or our anger talking, right? So lovey method offers a third option. You can actually process it in a healthy way. You want to think of the lovey method like as a safe container for your emotion to come up and be processed. Um, yeah, so the first step is L for label. You're labeling it. Anxiety is here. Um, rather than I am anxious, anxiety is here. I'm not identifying with it. 
And then O is that you're just observing it. You're letting it be here. You're not pushing it away. You're not judging it. You're saying, where is it in my body? Oh, I could feel a clenching in my stomach. Okay. You can get curious about it. That's interesting. Okay. I'm just going to let it kind of run its course. Because you got to remember that emotions are just energies in motion. Emotions are energies in motion. So they will come and go, right? And if we don't identify with it, we can just sit back and do lovey and let it be, right? Let it run its course. Uh, v is value. We can actually value the emotion. It ha it's there for a reason. It's trying to tell us something. It's, if it's anxiety, it's like, hey, I'm feeling unsafe right now. How can I change this environment? The first E is embrace. And what you're doing there is you're holding your little anxiety as if it's a, a child and it's really scared. And you're giving it a hug. And you're saying, how can I help you? I'm here for you. So it's kind of like you're, you're parenting that emotion and giving it some compassion with a, with a warm embrace. And quite often, you know, just like when you're upset and, and someone gives you a hug, what happens? You relax a bit, mm -hmm. right? You feel seen, you feel heard. So the idea is that you can do that for yourself, for your own emotions. And this is all the research. Um, it's called Self-Compassion Research by Kristen Neff. She's incredible. Um, so I've done a lot of training with mindful self-compassion. And so that that's what influenced that first E. Um, and so essentially, once that emotion has been soothed and processed in the body, then you can move to the final E, which is equanimity. So you're like cultivating, it's like you're lifting weights. You're like, I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more equanimous about the situation that I'm in. And that practice is essentially learning to accept the situation, like things are as they are. May I accept this just as it is? But then here's the, here's the thing. You need to soothe your emotion first. So let's say your emotion is anger. Let's say you're, you know, angry at your partner. If, if you go straight to equanimity, he is who he is. I accept him just as he is. Are you really accepting him? No, because you're still angry about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so you you got to process that LOV with L-O-V-E first. You know, in the neurosciences, you're shifting from your amygdala to your prefrontal cortex. You need to do that first. And then you move to the back to the situation. Okay, now you have a clear mind. You're, you're working from your wisdom part of your brain rather than your fight or flight part of your brain, right? And then, and then you're able to accept it and see it more clearly. So the, the love method is where you start and then you add the E on at the end is the final capper. And by the yeah. time you get there, you're like, oh, okay, I'm good now. So you yeah. used all of these practices through and beyond your journey with breast cancer. What is the biggest lesson that it taught you or what did you learn through this process? I would say the biggest lesson I learned going through cancer was that it wasn't my cancer that was causing my suffering. It was my reaction to having cancer that caused my suffering. And so when I reduced my reactivity with the Lovey Method by working with my emotions and processing them in a healthy way, my suffering also reduced. That literally leads me to my next question, which I wanted to talk about the second arrow parable. 
Yes. Can you explain that? Because I was like, oh my God, that is life changing if you really stop and think about it. So can you tell us about that for our listeners? Absolutely. I think this is chapter four. (laughs) I think, I don't know. I just, I was like, oh my gosh, the second arrow. I love that. That's right. So this is a, a, a Buddhist parable called the two arrows. And essentially I was learning the difference between pain and suffering. So pain is the diagnosis. It's the bad thing that's happened. And suffering is your reaction to the pain. So as the the parable goes, the first arrow hits you, like the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And the Buddha asked his asked the students, does, does that hurt when the first arrow hits you? And the students say yes. And then let's say a second arrow hits you. And the Buddha says, does that hurt more? And the students say, yes, it hurts more when the second arrow hits you. And the Buddha says, well, you don't have control over that first arrow, but you do have control over the second arrow. You do have control over your reaction to the first arrow. But only if you do the the practices. That is, practices. that is so powerful. And, and literally yeah. when I read it, I read it a few times and I actually went yeah. and looked, looked it up too. So I could kind of do a little bit more research on that. I'm like That's that. Right. Yeah. Sharing that alone is, was, I mean, I took a lot of things from your book, but that really like hit me hard. It's like, okay, yeah. the, it is our choice how we react. And yeah. People always have, after you go through cancer, they're like, oh, you're so strong and this and that. We're like, well, I really don't have a choice because I want to yeah. live. But how you handle it. And one thing I've always tried, and I've not always been successful, is to handle things with grace. Grace has always been just one of my good words to like, okay, go back to this place. And I admit I'm not always successful, but I really try because if I'm thinking about things and I think of grace as being peaceful and calm and how you deal with other people and compassion for others. And that actually kind of leads me into what I want to talk about too with you is why is self-compassion so important, especially when you are going through or after you go through a cancer diagnosis? Well, I first want to say that you're saying handle things with grace. That is equanimity. That's what it is. Yeah. Perfect. Right. So I've been doing it. I just didn't know the word. <laughs> You've been doing it already. You've been doing it already. <laughs> um, and I also just want to, before I answer your question, I want mm-hmm. to reiterate with that second, the two arrow parable that we, we actually have to do the mindfulness practice. Like we can't just think about, okay, I'm not going to throw the second arrow. I'm not going to be reactive. I'm just going to hold back. That stays cognitive. But if we commit ourselves to that morning practice, every morning, focusing on our breath for 20 minutes, staying present for 20 minutes, that's what alchemizes. That's what creates, cultivates that equanimity within us. So it's, it's not just the idea of the parable. It only happens when you actually commit yourself to that daily practice. Put it into practice. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I I just want to drive that home. After my coffee. (laughs) Yeah. So many students are like, okay, I got it. I got it. You know. Like, no, you actually have to do it. That's right. That's right. 
sorry. Um, it's not a quick fix, you know, everything related to neuroscience is not a quick fix. It's a daily practice to move those um, neural pathways little by little. And that actually dovetails into self-compassion perfectly. Um, before my cancer journey, I was, I had a very strong inner critic and it was very hard on myself. And, um, and I took this course, Mindful Self-Compassion, um, which was so powerful. And I took the course three times during all through chemo. <laughs> <It was eight laughs> course. And now I'm a teacher of it. So it's really beautiful. It's like this beautiful full circle experience. Um, and essentially, um, it was during my cancer journey that I learned how to love myself. It really was. And not just, you know, physically, I would give myself like um, compassionate body scans after every chemo. And that's in the book as well. There's an mm -hmm. audio for, you know, to, to say thank you for the liver and the kidney. They're, they're detoxing. They're working so hard to detox that chemo from the body. And then just giving some love and care to the rest of your body. It's, it's going through so much and recovering. Um, so I learned to give myself compassion to my body physically, but also emotionally. So when, again, anger, anxiety, depression would come up by doing the lovey method, I'm saying, it's okay. It's okay. You, you, can, you can be here. It's all right. Right? And giving that, like being the compassionate mother to those emotions. And just with that practice, because anxiety was there all the time, so I was doing the practice a lot, <laughs> um, I just cultivated the compassionate part of my mind, compassionate part of my being. And um, now that I'm on the other side of it, that compassionate part is, is still there, which is lovely. That is perfect. And, but that being compassionate with yourself, it really allows for the healing and yes for the trauma to leave your body because you you've completely changed your mindset and how you're looking at things. And, um, and one thing I, I believe it was in your book. I do read a lot of books, but about how you, when you were getting the chemo, a lot of people are like, Oh, this is poison. This is awful. Um, but it's not, it's, it's something that is going in your body to, to help you. Yes. It might have some awful side effects, but you've really used the practices to essentially rename it. Like this is something that's helpful to me. And by, by doing that as part of your, your practice and your journey, it wasn't, yes, you still had awful side effects, but it wasn't as bad. Is that correct? That's cor yes, mm -hmm. that's correct. And it was, it was astonishing, honestly, because I was, I was doing these practices for my mental health, for equanimity, to be able to roll with it, you know, um, to soothe my anxiety, um, to foster gratitude, right? And so, again, I have another audio uh, for folks to listen to during chemo. While they're receiving the chemo infusion, you can listen to this, this audio that I have on my website. It's essentially... Saying, you know, saying thank you, thank you, medicine, thank you, like, like, please go to just to the cancer cells and and not harm the rest of the cells, and thank you for your intelligence. You know where to go in the body, um, you know, and then thank you to the liver for detoxing it out. Like you can leave now, kind of idea, right? Like, thank you for coming in 
and thank you for leaving. Um, just so much gratitude all around. I actually called it the healing waters. I called my chemo the healing waters. Now, and, um, and you had yeah. mentioned in the book that your last chemo, you were prepared for essentially the worst because yeah. generally from what I've heard, I did not go through it. But And you mentioned that chemo side effects tend to be cumulative. By the right. end, you are worn out, you're done. And you actually didn't have anything after your last chemo. Like you came through it and you're like, huh, like you were, you were able to work your mind to take over your body's feelings, essentially. That's right. That's right. And it's that, that's the thing that was so mind blowing because again, I was doing these practices for my mental health and it was having such a drastic positive effect on my physical health as well to my surprise. Um, that that's right after the the last chemo where the side effects were supposed to be the worst, I actually didn't have any. And I, and I know it's because my mind was prepared for it. My mind was saying, okay, if, if a side effect comes in, I roll with it. I have equanimity. I don't react. And so it was my mind was kind of training my entire body, all of my cells to say, oh, we know what this is. This is a friend. This is a friend who's coming to heal us. Okay. So we're just going to relax. And what I realized, at least in my experience, is that side effects are a factor of the body resisting and saying, I don't want this here, like clenching. I don't want this, resisting it. I don't want this chemo. Versus when I told myself, oh, no, 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 this is a friend. Gratitude, gratitude. So my whole body was filled with the energy of gratitude rather than resistance. And that allowed the chemo to come in and work its magic and then leave and without hardly any side effects. And that was truly amazing. miraculous. Yeah. Now, I know that. Can you tell our listeners where we can find these, these, the audio links? And I know you have a special for some, some meditations on your website. Can you talk about yeah. that really quick? Of course. So my website is meditationforbreastcancer.com. And that's where you can sign up for the 10 free audio meditations from the book. So if you just want to listen to the audio meditations, they're right there for you. Um, my website again is meditationforbreastcancer.com. And I also have an audio book out. So it's on Audible, The Love You Method. And, and yes, the Kindle version came out this morning. Woohoo! So, and there's a special for that today, right? Yes, is it, to, is it so today only? Um, it's for this week. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but your listeners are literally the first people who are able to buy it. Yeah. So on Kindle, the Lovey method, mindfulness meditation for breast cancer. That's the name of the book. It's on Kindle. And, um, I think we're going to put the link in the notes. Is yes. That right? mm -hmm. Wonderful. Yes. Perfect. One dollar. Awesome. Well, listeners, it. definitely, definitely go get it. It is worth your time. We have so much more to talk about with Sharon. So please stay with us. If you would like to be my guest on the show or to share your warrior story with me or just reach out, you can email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. 
We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is Sharon Brock. Wow. Like literally I have so many things I wanted to say and they just weren't coming out. So survivor, mindfulness practitioner, best-selling author of the Love E Method, second edition out on Kindle today. Go get it for $1 and check out her website also for these wonderful meditations. But Sharon, let's talk a little bit because you, you did go through chemo and you lost your hair and you opted to have a single mastectomy. How... Which big, big decisions all the way around. And, you know, both really were towards saving your life. And you're here and you're thriving. So good decisions, but not easy ones. How, how did those, those couple things for living without the hair for a while? And then, oh, and I do want to talk about your mohawk. Um, and then uh, having a single mastectomy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Um, Obviously, opting for the mastectomy was a huge and devastating decision to make. Um, you know, being being in my forties, being single, I, I, you know, I wanted to kind of hold on to my womanhood, yeah. and and having to lose 
like a sex organ like that was devastating, mm-hmm. devastating. Um, talk about the what if nature of the mind, like what if, what if, what if, what if, what is this going to turn out to be? What if it's not going to look great? What if what it feels weird? I mean, there's all sorts of what ifs around the identity of being a woman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's not like you're having ankle surgery, right? It's, <laughs> it's surgery with a, a female part, um, compromising the identity of womanhood. And then, however, I will say when I was talking to my doctor about this, and this is, I had only been diagnosed for like two days at this point when mm-hmm. I'm having this conversation. So I was not equanimous at that, mm-hmm. at that point. You, you can't be at that point. No, just completely still in shock. Your brain and is in um, the what the F mode. And it's literally yeah. all you can do is to listen to every other word they say and try yes. to make some smart decisions. That's right. That's right. Um and unfortunately, I will say that what ultimately helped me decide on the full mastectomy rather than a lumpectomy was because, well, I was stage two, so the, the tumor was about four inches wide at that point. Um, what helped me make that decision is that a friend of mine got a lumpectomy, and then it came back, and then she didn't survive. Mm-hmm. A very good friend of mine. And we had the same type, you know, same yeah. stage two and everything. And she took the risk and she's like, I don't want a full mastectomy. It was, and uh, unfortunately, that, that's actually how, that's the reason why. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to making the decision around chemo, I, I had a, as another friend who opted the all natural route and she didn't survive either. The... I fully support modern medicine and the things that they do. These yeah. are these are tried and true practices, but I do also like integrating naturopathic medicine and all of the yes. complementary things afterwards. But for me, first step is always get the cancer out of the body. Yeah. In the the best way possible. And you know, for me, I have an interesting story. I was diagnosed twice. I had a lumpectomy in my left breast, and then five 4 years later, I had a new occurrence in my other breast. And so then I was like, okay, well, they both have to go. But I definitely completely understand yeah. what it's like to get rid of essentially the the organs in our body that identify with our womanhood. So I have reconstructed breasts. I have no uterus and ovaries and all of those things. And it's rough. It is not easy. Yeah. And yeah. at the time you were in a dating relationship that, you know, you've since moved on from, but it's it definitely changes how we live yeah. our life a little bit. That's right. But you did do something vulnerable, incredibly vulnerable with the man I was dating. And I talk a lot about that in the book as well. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't realize how much, how strong that identity to your gender is. Yes. And that was just rocked. And then um, I want to say real quickly about my two friends that passed away. Yes. You know, I, I still... I still respect their decision. You know, I mm-hmm. still believe that it's very personal that whatever path you take. So yes. I didn't want to come across as judgment in any way. Um, however, it, it did inform my, mm-hmm. my choice that like death is a possibility. Yes. Um, and being so young, I just wanted to bring out the big guns. That's what my mm-hmm. oncologist said. She's like, we're bringing out big guns because we yep. want you to have a long life, you know? 
which was really scary. Ah, so, um, yeah, so that was that it informed the mastectomy element. And, you know, it, it's been a process to, that was actually part of the reason why I moved to Maui, to be honest. Okay. Because I moved to Maui when I didn't have sensation in my breast. Mm-hmm. And I just like swam in the water every day. And I would say, Mama Maui, heal me. And I would swim with the, the turtles. And mm. the water is so clean and pure and magical there. And I went to Haleakala, the volcano, and oh. just connected to nature. And it was a very like solo trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I just feel like embodied again. You know, some of the nerves grew back in my, my new breast. And that's amazing. Yeah. So it's, and I just feel I'm in acceptance now. I'm in mm-hmm. equanimity. It is what it is. You know, I accept it as it is. I love that. I do want to really quick talk about the one thing you did for your birthday party. Was it your 45th birthday? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you had, you know, you had lost your hair in, in tufts and bits and pieces, and it was already, you know, down to the pixie cut and then shorter, but you decided to uh, go big or go home for a huge birthday party that you were throwing. So tell us about that real quick. <laughs> yeah. So, the, you know, the second thing that rocked my identity as a woman is losing my hair. I mean, as you can see, my hair, I mean, it's all grown back now. It's a big part of us. Yeah, it is. And um, just shorter, shorter, shorter. And then I lost about 70% of my hair. I still had about 30%. And, um, but it was coming out mostly on the sides. And (laughs) yeah, and so I thought, gosh, it's kind of like a mohawk, but more of like a train train wreck mohawk. <laughs> but uh, so my friend who's a hairdresser, she's like, I'll, I'll give you a proper mohawk. So she came over on my birthday and I was having my birthday party that night. And then she she made it like a like a cool mohawk with like stripes on the side. And, you know, we, we put glitter in it and butterflies. <laughs> it was this whole thing. So I love tried that. To make- Tried to make lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. I say making margaritas out of lemons. That's so right. That's, that's, that's right. how I take it. But I love <laughs> that you took something that, that sucked and was really hard and you made it fun. And it's because yeah. you had gone through your practices and you were in the equanimous stage. Is that right? Yeah. Equanimous. <laughs> and yeah. equanimous. Thank you. I'm going to start using that in my vocabulary and people are going to be like, oh, you're very smart. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing my it. best. You know it. So God, we, gosh, yeah. we only have a few minutes left, but I really want to talk about the overall lessons that you have learned. And I know you talk about this in the book, but kind of share with our listeners what mm. your big takeaways are. You know, the biggest takeaway is that there are things in life that we just don't have control over. Mm. And we have to surrender to that. We have to surrender to life and recognize what we do have control over that second arrow, our reaction to it and just have that gratitude that we have practices that can help us manage that reaction. Right. So letting go of control. I mean, you see that in like every, every religion, right. Letting go of control, but it it just helps so much with, um, with our happiness when we just trust life that whatever is happening, you know, what, rather than seeing it as, you know, and through a victim lens, whatever is happening, ah, why me? Why me? 
we can spiral up and say, okay, this is happening. What can I learn from this? This is an opportunity to rise. This is an opportunity to get stronger, cultivate my equanimity. I have these practices. Let's do this. Let's, let's, let's really build these muscles of mindfulness, right? With my daily practice. You know, the importance of staying positive, um, the importance of self-compassion in caring for yourself, you know, not overextending yourself, particularly if you're going through treatment, right? I actually, you know, I was always go, 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 you know, people pleasing this, that. But during my treatment, I was like, oh, how can I nurture myself and turn inward and mm-hmm. really offer that compassion inward? And I just cu- cultivated this like, beautiful experience internally. Cancer definitely taught me boundaries and it's okay to say no. And it's really hard for me. I'm I'm an Enneagram too. I am the helper. I want to do everything for everyone else to the detriment of myself. And I'm 51 and I finally learned that, oh, I can actually take care of myself first. That's right. Yeah. And advocate for yourself. Understand what your needs are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then with equanimity, you're able to voice those needs and those boundaries without like it tinged with anger and anxiety. You can just say, Hey, you know, this is something I need. Are you willing to help me out? Right. Perfect. Um, yeah. And then really, really the last thing is just the fragility of life and Mm -hmm. that, you know, you really, you never know when that first arrow is going to strike. So we just cannot take life for granted. I love Love, that. That's a love your loved ones. Love yourself. Love this beautiful life. That is the perfect place to end on. So tell us real quick, tell our listeners where they can find all of your things, the book, the website, the meditations. Of course. Yeah. So come to my website for the 10 free audio meditations. It's www.meditationforbreastcancer.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Sharon Brock Mindfulness. And um, yeah, if you... um, Kindle on Kindle. It's a dollar for the next week for the Kindle version. Uh, if you want the paper, yeah, if you want the paperback, that will go live October 3rd. That's the big launch. But it's like you guys are getting the pre-launch like secret. Awesome. Heads up. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for being here today. It has been my pleasure to finally sit and chat with you. And I cannot wait for more listeners to get your book. So The Lovey Method, Five Mindfulness Practices for the Journey of Breast Cancer. So again, listeners, if you or your loved one need our services, please go to breastfriends.org and check out patient programs. You can also donate on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444. Our show is available on so many platforms here on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, on Audible, or wherever you find your favorite podcast, check it out. And you can now watch on the Breast Friends YouTube channel. So please like and subscribe. And if you ever want to give me a rating anywhere, please do, because I would appreciate that. And again, if you want to reach out to me or nominate yourself, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. We will be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.